This is John Summerall, head football coach at Troy. You're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Welcome to this post-week one, 2023 episode of the Fun Belt Podcast. Tibbs cannot be with us tonight, our fearless leader. He has pressing, urgent, real-world business to attend to. But I'm here, Jeremy Harper of HowRazor.com, and with me, fresh from JMU football practice, is Shane Metland of the Daily News Record. Pulitzer Prize writer for the Daily News Record, Shane Metland. He's with us tonight. We're going to discuss some stuff. We got special guests from Texas State. Kef Cardello will talk a little bit about. Texas State's big victory over Baylor over the weekend. But right now, we're going to talk a little bit about volleyball. Man, volleyball had a big weekend, Shane. From what I understand, three sweeps of three top 25 teams. Yeah, and I think I think what's, it's a big weekend now. I think it's going to be an even bigger weekend <laughs> come NCAA tournament selection time. <laughs> last year, Texas State was on the bubble Yes, and the Sun Belt just missed out on getting that second bid, and they didn't have a week like this where they were racking up those resume wins. And right now, I think you look at JMU, I think you look at Texas State. I think those are both NCAA tournament caliber teams, and um, you know other other teams getting good wins. I think the league is going to be in a lot better shape when it comes to trying to get that at large bid that they've been going for for a while. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you it's always good to have a couple blue chip teams in your conference in those type of sports, right? But it's always good when the entire conference is doing well, and that really elevates everybody. For instance, Arkansas State has only won or un, only lost one match all year, and they can't keep up with the news from these other teams. I mean, things are going so well for everybody in the Sun Belt. That's just getting lost. So. That is outstanding. I love seeing Sunbelt Volleyball back because it it, it sort of treaded water for a little while. Yeah, and it should be good. It's, you know, um, I mean, I think West Coast Volleyball is probably on a different level than a lot of (laughs) places. But, but, you know, in the South, I think uh, there should be good volleyball. And um, the programs are looking pretty solid right now. Yeah. Awesome for the Sunbelt. Awesome for the schools doing a good job. Also awesome for the Sun Belt. <clears throat> Men's soccer continues to rock and roll. You've got some news on that that front. Shane, let us know what how we're doing in men's soccer. Yeah, because the team I cover has a soccer team. I become the default soccer guy. You're the guy. <laughs> I really know very little about the sport, but I do know that the Sun Belt, men's college soccer, is awesome. <laughs> and who's Who's in the Sun Belt? It's it's Marshall, right? Marshall, the and number Georgia two State. team in the country. Marshall, yeah. Thundering Herd. Yeah, and the Kentucky, it's in there, right? Kentucky, they yeah. dropped out of the top five. Oh, no. But okay. they're still in the top 20. All right, all right. And then you know, UCF, they're in there. UCF, the number six ranked in the country, UCF. 
are Jimmy, new to the, new to the Sun Belt this year. Looks yeah. like a very good addition. And Jimmy Mads, they're in there, right? They are number eight in the country. We're talking about three. We're, this is a sport. This is a real sport. Yeah. With three Sun Belt teams in the top ten in the entire nation right now. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. This, yeah, five. Also, West Virginia, we haven't mentioned yet, happens to be in the Sun Belt in men's soccer. And they're the fifth team ranked in the top 20 in the entire country in the Sun Belt Conference. Absolutely good news for the Sun Belt. Nice to see a, a mix of Big 12 and I guess Big 10 and SEC and all these guys crammed into this. This tremendous conference. I'm glad it's set, the name is Sun Belt and not any of those other conferences. We yeah, out of that. The Sun Belt. I mean, I like I said, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but I think maybe the Sun Belt needs some sort of nickname for <laughs> men's soccer. It, it's yeah. the best league in the country right now. Ah, is it? Maybe it should be like, is it the Premier Soccer League? Is that taken? I don't know. Should uh, we call I, Sun Belt the Premier League? Uh, you know what? I don't know. There might be some copyright infringement. That okay. You're, you're, you're I don't know. Like I said, I don't follow a lot of soccer outside of the Sun Belt, so maybe that's taken already. But yeah, um, I don't do trademark not, law, and I don't think you do trademark law. You I know, know. We should probably if only if only Tibbs were here tonight, he could probably give us a little background on that. Although he doesn't practice trademark law, but he's so smart. It would be nice that's to have true. him. He, he knows he knows the rules on everything. <laughs> We hope anyway. Speaking of rules, the Sun Belt, in some regard, ruled the weekend, and other regards did not when it comes to the nation's favorite sport, college football. James Madison with a big win over Bucknell. Yeah. New quarterback, kind of showing off what he can do. Yeah. I the fans seemed a little. I don't know, a little, little edgy on that. Yeah, they weren't. Okay. and It wasn't necessarily an impressive victory okay. for JMU despite the score. There's question marks at quarterback at this point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they're going to find out a lot about themselves on Saturday at Virginia. <laughs> now, from what I understand, too, that they go to Virginia. We'll talk a little bit about the upcoming Week 2 games next episode. You know what? I'm not even going to encroach that. That's going to be material for next episode. We shouldn't be stepping on our episodes. But speaking of disappointing, like maybe feeling a little uneasy, Marshall, they, they, they got their victory over Albany. But man, it wasn't a dominating victory by any stretch of the means. Something like 21-17? What's going on? Yeah, we... Maybe we should apologize to our friends at Georgia State. We got on them a little bit. I don't even know if that was on the air, if that was just us talking uh, off the air. We got on the Panthers a little bit for their Thursday night season opening, not necessarily inspiring victory over FCS Rhode Island. They were not the only ones in the Sun Belt East who didn't have the most particularly inspiring FCS victory week one. Uh, Marshall, I mean, JMU, the score was lopsided, but it wasn't as dominating as they'd hoped, especially in the first half. Marshall kind of squeaks by. App State had more trouble than they would have hoped with Gardner-Webb. 
Um, didn't really get going until the end of the second half. Yeah, there might have been. Was there another one? I can't remember. Uh, the Eagles actually did pretty well. They they did well. Yeah, they took care. They did pretty good. But but, uh, but yes, but no, we we Georgia State had the spotlight on them on Thursday, and perhaps we were too harsh. Yeah, on them. A win's a win. It looks like when it comes to uh, these games. We saw. We saw. I witnessed my our good friend Ben, who represents Georgia State, fighting on Twitter. Everybody kind of punking on Georgia State for not just dismantling Rhode Island. Rhode Island isn't a bad team. <laughs> I mean, they're FCS, yes, but they're not like a they're not like a punk over. But you, you have to be a little worried about Marshall in terms of you know Rashida Lee really couldn't get going. Cam Fancher, we've been calling, I've been calling him Francher, and I think it's leaked onto some of you guys too. It's Cam Fancher. I got kind of corrected on that on the Twitters. Somebody mentioned that, hey, these guys keep calling him Francher. It's Fancher. But yes, Cam Fancher. I'm very sorry, Cam. Cam had a little trouble getting it going. So uh, I don't know. I, I think part of the uh, having an FCS tune-up, though, Shane, is that it's a tune-up, right? You're kind of figuring things out. You got, you know, you, you want to see if your quarterback can connect with his wide receivers. You want to see if the offensive line can make some space. You want to see if your defensive backs know their assignments. You want to know if your linebackers can understand when to blitz and when not to blitz. That's what having that FCS tune-up is for. And then some Sunbelt programs just went ahead and did the complete opposite. And I'm not going to name any names except Arkansas State went up against number 20, Oklahoma this uh week one and it was ugly shane it was within the first 70 seconds 14 to 0 oklahoma courtesy of a quick five play touchdown that opened the game for oklahoma then a efficient three and out from arkansas state followed by a punt return for a touchdown for oklahoma and things got worse from there final score 73 to 0 everybody wanting butch jones's head it was a mess. It was a brouhaha. There was a lot of emotion and hysterics online. But everybody kind of calmed down the next day and said, let's see what we're going to do next week against Memphis. But that was rough. On the opposite end of that spectrum, something very surprising happened with the fellows from San Marcos. What once were the Bootcats, what once were the Wordcats, are now the Bobcats. And G.J. Kenny has things going on. Gary Joe got off to a great start <laughs> in yes, San Marcos. Actually, in Waco, he, he got to go home to San Marcos yeah. to celebrate. But uh, yeah, that was that was the big the big game, the big uh, statement for the Sun Belt in Week One was yeah. uh, Texas State getting that victory against Baylor, and um, you know probably maybe the thing that stood out the most was then how even keeled Gary Joe was on the uh, Sun Belt press conference the next or <laughs> two days later. I mean, he was, you know, not, not whooping it up, not, not bragging too much. I mean, they're talking about how, you know, they got in touch with the recruits and everything, but um, <clears throat> you, you could have uh, said that that victory was against, you know, UTEP or somebody like that, the way they're talking about kind of winning an in-state game, but not getting overly excited about it. So it, it was, it was a, it was a huge one, I think for that program, but they're, they're, Definitely still 
still looking for more in uh, San Marcos. Shades of Coach Prime in Colorado, right? You got the FCS coach <laughs> coming in to the troubled FBS program, both bringing in a whole lot of, of, of players from their old teams, stacking it up, and then, bam, both of them come up with big wins to open the season. Yes. When, when you started saying shades of Coach Prime, I thought you were making a joke about how I said uh, GJ wasn't bragging too much. But that's where it ends. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of similarities when it comes to like uh, the offseason for both programs and how they got started. No, Prime was definitely slam dunking. <laughs> Yeah, that while well, GJ is just like, hey, we got business coming up, and and GJ is right, you know what? And, and maybe Colorado needs to think about this too. One game that you prepared for for a long time, yes, this can happen. We've seen this all over college football this week. A lot of upsets, a lot of people not ready for their opposition, and this. I I, I know that uh, Texas State looked really good. T.J. Finley at quarterback looked awesome. The team just looked great. Can they sustain that? And they've got another great matchup coming up next week against UTSA. I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a real test for the Bobcats. Was this Bobcats win over Baylor like their third attempt at it? Was it just a magic moment where every all the plants aligned, or is Texas State Bobcats for real? And if they are. That's going to be wild, especially given the egg that South Bama laid against Tulane. Yeah, that was the disappointing result of the day uh, for the Sun Belt. I thought, you know, I not only thought South Alabama would win that game, you know, I definitely expected it to be more competitive than it was. Um, you know, it just, you can't, it, it sucks that you put so much on a week one game when there's an entire season left to be played. But I mean, it might come down to which team gets into that big bowl game might come down to that one. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate for the Sun Belt if things play out the way they might, that South Alabama wasn't able to put up a better showing there. Yeah. And South Alabama keeps doing that to us, but it, it's one of those things where as a conference, you know, a, the, the American already kind of has its, its, it's it's reputation cemented enough to where they can sneak into the AP top 25, for instance, and not really have to prove anything, right? So South Alabama really needed to win that game, not just to put themselves in contention, but to kind of put other teams in the Sun Belt in contention. And when you see South Alabama lay that egg against Tulane, it puts not just doubt on the Jags, it puts doubt on everyone, which is, which is too bad. I, I don't want that for Kane Lomick. I don't want that for the South Alabama. I hope they can rebound from this. I hope maybe, you know, Tulane and Southern Miss have, uh, or Southern Miss has another big win over Tulane, and I think they play in week three. But irregardless, that was a missed opportunity. Another missed opportunity, Shane? Well, not really missed opportunity. The, the teams played well against each other. I don't know if you stayed up late enough to watch any UCLA versus Coastal Carolina. I didn't really see any of it. I was following the scores. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> late at night, but uh, you know, I didn't see much of it. I thought Coastal might have a chance to uh, win that one, but you know, it, in some ways, it was probably about what I expected. Coastal competing, but maybe not quite good enough 
across the board outside of Grayson McCall to uh to beat a Pac-12 team. Yeah, and once again, uh the Sun Belt <laughs> falling to the Pac-12. We are now a good clean 30 oh and 31 against the Pac-12, which yeah. is quite aggravating because it seems like the Mountain West just collects wins left and right <laughs> on the Pac-12, <laughs> and we just can't we can't get it done. It can't happen. Yeah, Grayson McCall, I thought looked pretty good. I I, I watched a, 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 several series before. I was like, I gotta go to bed. He looked all right, but yeah, maybe the rest of the team. I, he seemed to be running for his life a lot. I don't know if they have that big offensive line anymore, but like they used to have. Big win though that came kind of under the radar because it's on the NFL Network, which is always weird to me. A college football game on the NFL Network, but our our, our buddy Tibbs. Dusty Thibodeau had the big win, ULM Warhawks over Army. I didn't see any of it. I don't know how it turned out. I think it was, what was it, 2017 or something, a, a narrow victory? Yeah, close game. Uh, sounds like, you know, good defensive effort from the Warhawks. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's a pretty big one. I mean, I don't know if Army's going to be that good, but they play a lot of Sunbelt teams. Yeah. They've beaten – ULM in recent years is, is that turning into a rivalry as often as ULM and the army play I don't know <laughs> but, but yeah, um you I know it's so. a step in the right direction I, I looked this up I think in the last five years I don't even go back to I think it might be like to 2019 um ULM was one in ten in non-conference games against FBS opponents yeah so that's a good start for them I mean they're trying to break through and get back to a bowl game and be a competitive program under Terry Bowden. And he's taken steps. And I think a lot of people were worried this might be a step back as a rebuilding year, but that's a good start to the season for you. Yeah, if they want to. Yeah. And they're doing it on defense, Shane, which is, <laughs> is really cool. You know, uh, the, the, the Sunbelt used to be known for its offense uh, pretty much because they couldn't get enough you know, big athletes to play the, the kind of defense that the big boys can play. But defense has been carrying the best teams in the Sun Belt. And if the Warhawks can find some of that defensive magic that some of these other Sun Belt teams have had, uh, I'm looking at James Madison as well, and, and, and Cajuns have had great defenses, and Coastal East have great defenses. If you, Marshall and, had a great defense last year. Sure, and Troy and 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 South Bama, all these guys are being known for defense. It would be just sort of wild. It's kind of like how the the Georgia Southern Eagles are suddenly a air raid team, <laughs> you know. And, and yeah. the, uh, it's kind of it would be that kind of wild to see the Warhawks go from a a team that could score fifty but have sixty scored on them to becoming a team that holds teams under twenty points. That would be an incredible turnaround for the Warhawks. But but to go back on incredible turnarounds, we really do have to give credit to Texas State and the Bobcats and what G.J. Kenny has done in San Marcos. Bringing in the new guys, going through the transfer wire, uh, yeah, reestablishing connections with the uh, high school community around San Marcos and around Texas. That was something that that uh uh the Bobcats were were completely deficit in in terms of recruiting. They just sort of ignored 
uh, local high schools. Now they're bringing them in. Shane, you and, and Tibbs earlier uh, in the week spoke to Keith Cardello of Get Win or Get Bent, the Texas State podcast. And let's see what he has to say. Shane, in the offseason, we, we saw that uh, Colorado, Texas State, rebuilt their entire roster and then some. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that. I think in the preseason is not knowing quite what to expect when there's so much turnover. Um, but, you know, I think we also compared this Texas state team to the Georgia Southern team. We undersold a little bit last year, wondering if they'd be able to do some uh, big things early. And uh, we ended up seeing that in week one. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that even looking at this year, Saturday morning, we kind of got a glimpse of what a rebuilt roster can do when bu- uh, the Buffalo go to the Horn Frogs, runner uh, runners up from last year, and they're able to pull off the win. Do you think that that was maybe a little prophetic of of what we were going to see just hours later? I can't say that like I was thinking at the time when Colorado <laughs> was winning that uh, I I related it to what we would see um, with Texas State, but looking back on it, it does sort of a. Uh, Makes sense to compare those two a little bit. We have a guy with not only great hair, but also was in Waco for that great Texas State opener. Kef Chardillo, when now get bent, joins us. Kef, uh, I, I see the bags under your eyes. I, I think that there's still empty shot glasses behind you. Um, are you done <laughs> celebrating yet or, or are we on to week two? Oh man, you know, I, I, of course it's a great win. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do too much celebrating. Those are, those are from a, from another time back there. I had to stay sober and get that content out there. You know, it's just been a lot of working on my own podcast, writing some articles, talking to other people about it. It's, it's a, it's a huge win for the Bobcats and it definitely wasn't expected. I didn't expect it. I was going into it saying, you know, I, I think they'll cover it because they have a pretty good offense, but they're 27 and a half point dogs. Uh, and I, I was like, they'll cover that, but I don't know. I don't think they'll win. And they proved me wrong. I mean, double digit win, uh, pretty big win for these Bobcats, probably the biggest, at least in the FBS era, for sure. They had a big win in 2012 over Houston. And there was actually a bigger upset as far as numerically, just cause it was, they were 34 point underdogs in that one. I, I believe it was the first season as FBS, but after eight years of, of, only winning four games or less. Uh, it, this was very needed for for everybody. It was a nice shot in the arm for this fan base, for this team, you know, brand new team. It was big win, big win for the Bobcats, for sure. PJ Finley was definitely the standout there for the Bobcats. Surprised by it? Or or, or did that really even take kind of the Bobcat fans by, by surprise? His performance, I would say how well he did, it was absolutely surprising. I mean, I, I wasn't, Terribly surprised that he was the starter, especially, you know, they bring in Willie Cornsby, the Arkansas transfer. They bring him in in January, and he goes through the spring. Uh, he's r- running with the number one team in the spring. And then at the spring game, they bring in Thomas Castellanos, who was a Central Florida transfer at quarterback to come witness the game. Then, right then, I was like, okay, they're not fully confident in Malik. And then that didn't work out with Castellanos. I can't remember where Castellanos went. But they went out and got TJ Finley soon after that, after spring football. So that was kind of a signal to me that they're they're looking for another quarterback uh, to to take over this team. Uh, so I wasn't I wasn't terribly shocked that it was Finley to start. I was surprised Malik didn't get a shot 
they were talking a lot about, hey, we'll we'll put them out there or use both maybe in certain packages. And that didn't happen uh, mainly because Finley was just playing so well. I mean, after seeing what he did at Auburn and LSU, it was it, it wasn't anticipated that he would have that kind of game. I mean, 298 yards passing, three touchdowns, three touchdowns passing, one one rushing, no interceptions. Yeah, that one fumble that was a pretty bad fumble, uh, but pretty solid game all the way around. I mean, a career game for him after three years in, in SCC programs. That was uh yeah I, I would say the performance itself was was pretty surprising, made a lot of people realize uh, what T.J. Finley was. I mean he was a highly recruited prospect out of high school, just you know doing a lot of pressure at those SEC programs, and it's a, a different deal at Texas State. The Sun Belt there's the spotlight's not as bright, so I feel like he's able to relax a little more and and lead this team. At least he was Saturday. When you cover an upset, in my experience, it seems like there's always this moment where it kind of goes from expecting that favorite to turn it on at some point to saying, Hey, this underdog team might be the better team today and they might be better than we thought. Like when was that moment for you on Saturday where you kind of thought like, okay, Texas state, like not only got off to a good start, they might actually win this game. I'll be honest with you, Shane. It was, it was four minutes left in the game. It was, it was around that. It was pretty late into the game. I mean, because they started out, TJ Finley came out three and out. And I was like, okay, all right, here we go. Uh, and and Baylor gets a field goal. But then Bobcats come back out, and TJ Finley leads them on a touchdown drive. It's all right, this looks good. Next series with Finley, fumble. That leads to another Baylor field goal, seven to six. I'm like, all right, it's it's going to start, right? Here's here's where it starts. I've done this dance before. I've traveled to Lubbock. I've traveled to, to Tallahassee. I've traveled to uh, a college station all these p5 games that the bobcats have had and just seen it fall apart pretty quickly at the beginning after it looks good at the beginning and then the 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 threads start to fray a little bit and it all falls apart but yeah it, it didn't happen it wasn't until really late in the game i was looking around i was like okay you know what they're they're actually going to do this that's this is this is going to happen this is a team that is is ready to do it i think it was that that goal line stop that they got or no no it was a sean holton interception that's what it was kind of late in that game. It was like, okay, here it is. Uh, but yeah, really late into the game because of, because of past history with this team, but uh, they did it. They did it, man. GJ Kenny is here. How about that? So, I mean, GJ kind of downplayed it all. I mean, almost like, you know, a seasoned veteran. We, we forget that he's early mid thirties, way younger than all, probably all of us combined. Um, is this just that maybe he's even shocked a little bit or, or you think that it's just the expectation and he's just rolling on to week two? Nah, he's not shocked at all. Uh, I'm shocked. A lot of other people are shocked. He's not shocked. He said it in his post-game press conference. Uh, we, we sh- they shocked the world, but not ourselves. He kind of came in there. Well, he was walking around like, I told you. I told you after that game to even some of his own players who weren't exactly buying in. You could tell he had a message to send. Uh, in that press game press conference, he looked like he was ready to fight somebody. So, I mean, he was, uh, it, it was, it was pretty interesting. It wasn't, you know, like a negative energy, but he just seemed real, like the adrenaline was really pumping. His eyes were wide and he was very matter of fact. And, and, uh, uh, he, I, he, he wasn't surprised at all. I mean, even when I asked him about how, how important was it to maintain that identity from incarnate word and bringing it to Texas state and not wavering from it under pressure. And he was like, I had the number one offense in the country last year. Like, why would I change anything? You know? And I mean, he was just very blunt about it. Like, you know, I, I I'm very con he's, very, he's saying I'm very confident in what we've got. 
so no, I, I don't think he was surprised. Um, I, I think he was, uh, he was happy for sure. He was happy to see that, that it did come to fruition. No doubt. I thought he was looking for Shane Metlin there after, oh wait, Shane <laughs> wasn't at media days. I, I keep forgetting that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all right. Great. One and oh. Another huge in-state game, huge G5 game as well, going to UTSA. How does this Texas State team kind of rebound and, and try to go 2-0 and o as opposed to really splitting it 1-1? One and one? Yeah, that's that's been a big a big issue for this team, even going back to last year when they had the big win against that state that came out the next week and fell flat. And so they've really got to figure out a way to, to come back to earth and not get too high on this, this win, because uh, it is a great win. And we've seen hangovers happen after big wins like that. Uh, it's, 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 it's a huge opponent this week though, a huge opponent, not uh, really for many people outside of San Marcos or San Antonio, just because the two schools really hate each other. They're very close in proximity. UTSA didn't start football till 2012, uh, the same year, Texas state jumped into the, the FBS and they have beaten the Bobcats four times since, uh, including that that year in 2012. So the, the Texas State is is definitely itching for that win in this one. Uh, but yeah, they they just have to to not get too high on this win, um, and and stay true to that identity, that four two five defense, that four two five man coverage. Stay with that. Uh, stay with that this fast tempoed offense. Don't try and get more conservative or like they went for it on four fourth downs. They went four for four, and uh, those four fourth downs led to three touchdowns. So that's that's twenty one points as opposed to to three field goals that they could have had. So that was a big difference in the game that that aggression um, and just just maintaining that. You know, I, I'm pretty sure they will. That's the way they they seem. They are an aggressive team. It's pretty feast or famine on the defense as well. You know, they're, they're either going to get pressure on the quarterback or something's going to happen, but they're, they're pretty committed to to getting after the quarterback. I mean, they had 10 TFLs and I think a handful of sacks, not a handful, like two or three sacks on, on Saturday. So uh, they just have to stay true to that identity. Yeah. You kind of hit on it there. What I was going to ask is if this week coming up is almost bigger than last week when it comes to you know the opportunity to beat an in-state power five teams obviously huge and they took care of business there but to play a utsa team where like you said the proximity is there you're the two group of five teams in that region um and i mean frankly if you're texas state you're kind of trying to catch utsa right now and obviously winning on saturday was a big step in that direction but like is this game almost the bigger one of the two uh, of the, you know, opening week games or opening couple weeks. It's a great question. I, I think from a national standpoint, uh, it, it probably wouldn't be for most people, but here I, I think it would be just as big a game. And just another little caveat to that game, Jeff trailer, the coach at UTSA was GJ Kenny's high school coach at Gilmer. So they, they know each other really well. Uh, they, they have a, a, a mentorship friendship that goes back a long time. So there's there's a you know even if even if it's not the rivalry between Texas State and UTSA for DJ Kenny there's a little bit of that to it as well, um, but yeah I do think for this fan base this is this has definitely been a beating a P5 was a thorn in the side of Texas State but beating UTSA has been an even bigger thorn it's like a whole a whole a whole rose bush poking out of their leg that they just they they need to to take out and and get rid of that it's um. I think as far as recruiting as well, like beating, they're not they're They can beat some recruits 
that are trying to go to Baylor, like Nash Jones, their left tackle. They got transfer from Incarnate Word. He had a Baylor offer, but he chose Texas State. But that's pretty rare. It's more common that they are competing with recruits against UTSA. And to get this win over UTSA would, would help tremendously on the recruiting trail, would help tremendously on the, the morale of, of the fan base to have two road wins. Uh, going into the the first home game, I can imagine that's going to uh, offer for more fans to to show up and actually be intrigued by this team that has been pretty lackluster the last eight years. So it's uh, uh, I would say you know I, I I said earlier this was probably the biggest win in FBS history for for Texas State, but you know if you ask me next week maybe that one would be if they pull it off. So it's it's interesting times for sure for the Bobcats, but it's going to have to see what happens because now utsa has a game of tape on the bobcats they've seen what they do they've seen that offense uh they they know what to expect we know that that trailer no has a relationship with gj kenny so he's going to kind of know what to expect from him he's going to know how to how to prepare i mean he's prepared gj himself for a game so imagine he's preparing against the game that gj's coaching he would be pretty good at that um so it's it's going to be a tough one no doubt i think they're like 11 point underdogs right now texas state is so even even beating the the bears on saturday and utsa losing to houston they are still uh double digit underdogs so it's it's no doubt a big one jeff i can't wait to see you face to face i'll be in san antonio this weekend so i'm excited to get the good old viva la boobcats flowing through the veins <laughs> as we cheer on texas state silently from the press box to a victory and a two and zero start. So you're you're going to San Antonio? I will be in San Antonio, baby. Oh, that's excellent. Press boxing it up and everything. I think so. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I haven't reached out to them either. It's usually it's usually pretty good over there for for UTSA. They're pretty accommodating. But yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'll definitely have to to come see you, shake your hand. Last time I saw you was Sunbelt Media Day. That was a that was a good time. Your busy your time. Other, busy time. Your other uh uh. Your other counterpart, A State fans rule. Uh, he with his smoking jacket out there was was pretty great. <laughs> we we don't talk about the damn smoking jacket. It, it's it's way <laughs> overhyped. It, it's it's way overdone. I, I I think I'm gonna try to reach out to his wife and see if she'll uh, put some moths <laughs> in the closet or something like that. You know what, man? At a stuffy media day, it was it was kind of nice. You know, everyone's kind of dressed uncomfortably. And you see him in his smoking jacket. It's like, man, you know, maybe that's the route I should have gone right there. Super cash. And that's why we can't have Kef on more than once a year. <laughs> <laughs> only after, only after a, a big tech state win. Right, that was Shane and Tibbs interviewing Keith. Kef. Did I say Keith? It's not Keith. Keith it's like, it's, it rhymes with chef. It's Kef. Kef yeah. Cardello. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I've only known this guy for like four or five years now, and I still get it wrong. But you know what? That's fine. That's my brand. You know, just like his brand is having a hard name to pronounce. His his brand is that luxurious head of hair <laughs> blowing. He is a beautiful man. Shoulders. He was at Sunbelt Media Days. He stood out. You know, the cameras found him. You know, I thought that was impressive. But yeah, he has every right to be excited. I mean, he tell you the truth, the they've been excited in San Marcos all summer long. So it's yeah, it's, it's 
kind of nice to see it actually uh, become the excitement actually translate to wins. So that is really cool. Way to beat Baylor. Those punts from Waco, Texas. But right now it's something that, you know, Tibbs usually leads us in. Tibbs invented this. But you and I, we're going to try to do our best to live up to the Tibbs standard. It is plugs, promos, parting shots. Shane, I ditch it off to you. All right. Parting shot. I guess what we'll call it touched on it a little bit earlier. We talked about South Alabama, Tulane, Tulane getting that victory, what it might mean down the road. Been thinking about this. Okay. Is the one thing currently separating the AAC and the Sun Belt the fact that a really good coach named Willie Fritz left <laughs> Georgia Southern for Tulane? If Willie Fritz, who's been one of my favorite coaches for a long time, sure. fellow Kansan, I've wanted my alma mater to hire him twice when they went a different direction. If if he was still at Georgia Southern, how good would the Eagles be right now? And how bad would Tulane be right now? And <laughs> would we be flipping the entire discussion on these two conferences? Did one man's decision change the trajectory of the entire group of five. Hmm. Wow. You know what that, what that calls for is a deep, deep dive from the daily news record. Just, uh, oh, just yeah. we're talking like multiple interviews. We're talking about opening up the, the petty cash drawer, sending you down to new Orleans to talk to Willie himself. And then maybe up to, up to, to Statesboro and getting mm -hmm. the scoop from Statesboro, I think that I think that's a good story uh, that you need to follow up on. Shane Metlin, sports. Yeah, reporter. probably need to go check out. Uh, you know, Shawnee Mission Northwest High School. You know, go 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 deep deep in his background. Yes, yes. Even go go deeper. Go back into elementary school. Yeah. Interview some of his his third grade teachers. You know, get everything that you need. Mm -hmm. <laughs> If, if, it, if the story takes you to Hawaii, you got to go to Hawaii, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, all right, that was a good parting shot. Uh, uh, I guess, you know, um, I, I guess I have a parting shot, too. It's a week one observation, kind of like a not as, as precise an observation as you had, but more of a, a, a 30,000 foot observation. So after the the big loss to Oklahoma, you know, there's a lot of vitriol spit at Coach Butch Jones and, you know, the program itself and, and, and the fans were ready to grab pitchforks and, and, and pitch the coach into the river and, and burn the program down. But here's what to think about week one. Week one is just one of those times in college football where either every team, like, or not every team, Half the teams, like Colorado and Texas State, are thinking national championship. And then the other half of the commu community is just ready to give up. All after one week, right? Think about programs like Florida that didn't do well against Utah. Think about programs like uh, Clemson, who, who Dabo Sweeney is supposedly getting all this flack for being too old-fashioned to dip into the uh, transfer portal and pick up guys. Uh, think about teams like uh, 
uh, like Marshall, who didn't have a great outing, and Georgia State, who didn't have great outings against their FCS opponents. These, This is week one, everyone. And there's going to be times where your team, where your team is week ones where your team looks outstanding and ready to beat Alabama. And then there's going to be times during week one where you're going to want to get rid of your coach. You're going to want to get rid of your 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 jerseys that you wear. You're going to want to burn down all your pennants. I remember week one several years ago against Oregon, Arkansas State versus Oregon. We were so excited. Coach, uh, it was it was, it was was Coach uh, Gus Melzahn's first year there. And he had me believe in this Kool-Aid, Shane. I mean, I thought we were going to win the national championship. We go up against Oregon, and it's like Marcus Mariota, Yoda, Mariota, Mariota's freshman season. So I'm like, oh, this kid, we're going to light up this kid. It was 29 to 0 or 28 to 0 at the at the at the first quarter. At the half, it was something like 35 to 0. At the end of the game, I was so upset. I tore the Red Wolf sticker off the back of my car. Just <laughs> yanked it off. I was so mad. Went to bed. And the next morning I got up. I found that sticker. I put it back on the car. I managed to be able to put it back. And I realized it was only one week. So, fellas, everybody out there gnashing their teeth because your team didn't perform well in week one, I got news for you. You've got 11 more weeks of this to go. So buckle up. And that's it, Shane. How do we do without Tibbs? I I think we did okay. I'd be be very glad to have him back. (laughs) We'll be glad to have him back, but if we have to fire him, we we will. (laughs) But we we managed. We 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 got through this. He, he's got he has all the accounts so yeah <laughs> uh, for shane metlin of the daily news Re- record no daily news report jeremy harper Racer. <laughs> good night and we'll see you in a couple days you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.